Hello, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of That's Debatable, a show where I, Creed Finnefrock, and I, Miles Zabalas, uh, debate different issues every week. This week, we're going to be covering universal health care and um, how that works and the pros and cons. Um, I will be taking the side against universal health care, and Miles will be taking the side for universal health care. Um, and then once again, these um, we're just trying to represent the sides. Say what we're saying does not necessarily reflect reflect our own opinions or the opinions of KMIH. So one of the biggest arguments that comes up when arguing in favor of free healthcare is that it's a basic right, and usually in most cases, people can't control what happens to their body, and so it's unfair to make them pay a huge amount of money to cover for it. It's like if you got robbed and then had to pay the police to catch the robber, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, what would you say to that? Yeah. So some of it um, that people on this side um, may say is that healthcare may not actually be a basic human right. Um, part of it is because it can impose upon other people to take care of you. So like, even if it's a doctor, it's, you know, taking something from the doctor because it's perceived as a right. Um, and so that, that's one reason people believe that there shouldn't be universal health care so that the doctor gets, you know, something back from the person that they're taking care of um, directly. Um, and then part of it is, you know, if there is a situation and the person who is injured or whatever believes they should get one solution, but then the doctor has like, uh, an objection or obligation against it, um, like a moral objection to a solution. But then if it's said as a basic right, then the doctor may have to prescribe it that way, even if they believe it's not the best choice or something. Another disadvantage of universal health care is that it can be extremely expensive for the government. It's a lot of taxing um, and it can take away a lot of money from other essential programs, which is a big issue. Um, in that sense. All right. So back to that earlier point you made about doctors that would have a moral obligation to cover for you if you say you want one thing and they want to give you another. I think there's probably a difference between free healthcare and free healthcare, like (laughs) choice or something like that. Yeah. Free healthcare that the patient would want. Like that's one of the big things in the US that's kind of messed up in some people's eyes is having insurance companies be able to market on commercials because it, mm-hmm. it really is the doctors they have the expertise so one could say that they should be able to control uh what they prescribe yeah. you yeah that makes sense um all right so back to the expensiveness of universal health care uh what's your take on that one Well, there's actually been a lot of studies that have found that uh, universal healthcare would be cheaper in the long run. Because if you think about it, you're taking away like the you're taking away the middleman between the patients, the doctors, and in the middle there's this insurance agency. And with universal healthcare, you pretty much get rid of that and all the the billions that are generated off of just being like the facilitator in that sense. And healthcare companies often don't even try that hard to get the lowest prices. They don't negotiate that hard with the healthcare providers because mm-hmm. it doesn't 
impact them quite as much as it would the government because it's their money in that case that they would be spending. So another thing is the insurance companies often actually want the prices to be higher because the Affordable Care Act makes insurance companies use 80% of monthly consumer premiums, which is like the rates people pay for healthcare. Mm-hmm. Uh, they make insurance companies use 80% of those for medical care, but they leave 20% for administration and profit. So if the insurance company knows a doctor will charge an average of like $80 a month for a patient, they can charge $100 in premium and make $20 extra. But if the doctor charges $160 a month on average, then the insurance company can charge $200 a month and make $40 extra. So by encouraging healthcare providers to increase the price they charge, they get more of the profit. So yeah, we have a system right now where both the insurance companies and the healthcare providers benefit from having higher prices. And that's what created kind of the huge increase in prices then like prescription medicine that we see yeah. today. So one of the things about that is, is actually in a free, well, in a free market system, like what we have here in America, is that there's a lot of competition when these are all privatized sort of things. Um, if it was under a government, it would pretty much be the same prices all across the board um, for the government or for people paying. And then there are, there are private doctors in countries like uh, England and such, but um, in cases where there's a free market, um, what the competition does, it actually can bring down prices because if people are saying, hey, this person's charging me, you know, 200 and then this other company's charging me 100, they're going to go for the 100 and that's going to start bringing prices down. And so even if there are, you know, booms in prices, a lot of that can be attributed to like a single problem coming up a lot in one time or um, just, you know, a shortage. But um, a lot of what the free market can do is actually bring down prices um, because of the competitiveness between different insurance companies, hospitals and such. Um, that's why you see, you know, companies like Geico being like, Hey, 15% off your car insurance or whatever, even though that's a completely different type of insurance, but, um, you know, they're trying to get you to get their product and part of how they're doing it is by lowering prices. Um, Uh, even though at times it can still be expensive. Yeah. To that, I'd say that oftentimes, um, when it comes to competitions in the insurance world, it seems like prices are often hidden. So people don't know exactly what they'll be paying for an operation until after they've actually gotten it. I guess, I guess you could say that maybe people would be discouraged from getting that operation, but still, I think there needs to be a level of a a greater level of transparency for that. Yeah, I I can agree with parts of that for sure. Um, I do think though, that for things like prescriptions, there are ways that you can somewhat get around um, that whole system. Uh, there are things you can go to like companies that will help you find some of the more cheaper prescriptions um, and then get that delivered from pharmacies or whatever. So like GoodRx could be an example. Um, it's you know a company that does that sort of thing. Um, and they kind of claim that you can save up to 80% on your prescriptions. So there are ways that you can somewhat get around that uh, high price. Um, and then another thing in um, 
England and other places with like a national healthcare system, I think mainly England, a lot of problems that they're facing with this is you can't really get prescriptions for over-the-counter medicine. Um, so there are, there are types of things that you can get over-the-counter, but right now um, the NHS is trying to reduce over-the-counter um, sort of things so that they can put more focus into cancer and some other more um, problematic things. But what that does is that actually makes it um, a lot more difficult to access certain types of medicines and then pharmacies that may be selling it may be able to raise prices or something like that. Um, so there's kind of, it's, it's a lot of trade-offs in this situation right here. Um, so, you know, there's good stuff on both sides and then problems on both sides. So we got to figure this whole situation out right there with the, that sort of thing. Um, one other thing. So another disadvantage of the universal healthcare system is that um, in many places, I think it was stated that about healthy people pay for, oh wait, yeah, about 90% of healthcare costs are from chronic diseases and the sickest 5% of population creates, creates about 50% of total healthcare costs, while the healthiest 50% only create about 3% of costs. So even though this can be true outside of some universal healthcare systems, um, it's, it's less extreme outside of universal healthcare systems. So that's um, another point is that it just makes healthy people pay a lot more for um, what sick people may have going yeah. on. Yeah, I'd, I guess I'd say that we shouldn't really make it that much of a distinction between healthy people and like ill people because yeah you know as i said like a lot of times or when it comes to chronic illness you can't control what's going to happen to you yeah and so shouldn't we have a system where the costs are more spread out rather than just subjecting like the sickest five percent to bear like 50 percent of the costs or maybe not even that much well no it's still they, a lot of they the create it so yeah it's because of how expensive, you know, access to a lot of this treatment and a lot of the procedures take so much more time and resources that are hard to come by. Um, whereas people who don't have chronic diseases and tend to be more healthy usually will only need um, like checkups or some sort of smaller type medicine instead of a massive surgery, which can cost a lot because it's, you know, it's a tough process and there's a lot of stuff you have to do. Um, so that's part of the reason why they carry up to 50% of costs. And it's not necessarily unfair. It's um, just having each person carry their weight in that sense. Yeah. Well, like they can't control what their weight is, you know, or <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> yeah. speaking, you know, so it, it just seems kind of arbitrary to make them pay for it if they can't control it. Yes, yeah, but then is it is it the fault of a person who doesn't have it? Um, should we impose that on them? So it's kind of like the thing with the healthcare is a right, as I said earlier, like, you know, someone gets sick, do we impose that on someone else? Um, even if they have nothing related to it? Um, like, you know, Bill and Joe don't know each other, Bill ends up getting extremely sick, and then Joe has to pay for Bill's stuff. That doesn't seem to make a ton of sense. Um, because Joe has nothing to do with it. 
Yeah, I think we can't look at the, it as much of a burden as it is our responsibility and duty as citizens to take care of our fellow citizens. And, and that's pretty much just what taxes is, just taking care of the whole rather than just thinking about yourself. Because if there were no taxes or no, or if, if there is no way to help the rest of the population, we'd all just be living by our own means and there would be no like social services or anything like that. Yeah, in this case, uh, that's an interesting scenario, but it's also not necessarily, you know, it comes down to kind of morals and personal beliefs with, with what you want. And, you know, it's not necessarily your obligation to take care of someone um, if they injure themselves or something like that. So it's kind of an interesting scenario with that. Um, but I don't think that it's a massive, massive problem there. Um, one other thing I really wanted to talk about uh, that is pretty prevalent in this sort of situation is that in universal health care, patients usually, you know, for certain, for certain things, um, like if they want to get a diagnosis or a surgery for um, certain problems, it can take several, several months um, just to even get a diagnosis. Um, and since government focuses on providing more life-saving health care, it can often neglect to cover rare diseases or elective procedures, or just like a basic, a basic procedure if you, you know, break, break your leg or something. Um, so that's, that's another interesting issue right there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone would count that as a good thing, you know, so yeah. I think that's definitely one of the shortcomings of universal healthcare. But studies have projected that we could save like billions through this system. So if we invest, if we reinvested some of that money back in, then hopefully we could cover some of those wait times. And yeah, I'm sure there's, there's ways that the system could be improved that would hopefully diminish that problem a bit. But yeah, another thing about that is even though wait times might be longer and like you could say maybe care is better in America, the thing is that we're paying more than any other pretty much any other developed country with our healthcare. And yet we have one of the shortest life expectancies. So that well, a lot of the life expectancy thing is also problems outside of just healthcare, right? You know, a lot of it is personal choice of people, you know, maybe they don't want to go see a doctor or, you know, fix a problem because they may not think it's that bad. One thing I read about was that the government is more likely to spend money in ways that are going to be more efficient. So where insurance companies, if there's an obesity epidemic or something, they'll just try to wait it out and have people see more doctors because that's going to get them more money. Mm. But whereas the government will spend more time in programs, like trying to educate kids about obesity and like do more preventative measures, which is going to cost less. And it's also going to be more effective. Mm -hmm. United States actually has a pretty good uh, life expectancy. Um, I think it is 46 in the world right now with an average life expectancy of 79 years. Um, for females, it's uh, 81 to 82 years. And then for males, it's usually around 76 um, or you know, 77 years. So um, it's not as amazing as you know, Hong Kong, who has the highest life expectancy for 85 years, right? That's a 
you know, almost 10 year difference. Um, but it's still a pretty good life expectancy overall. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is pretty good overall, but, and we sh- definitely shouldn't take that for granted or anything. But yeah. if you look at the other developed countries, I think there's stuff we could do to improve is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Of course. And I think we can always improve in all these different ways. Um, so one thing I wanted to say about the um, healthcare with providing, um, you know, the free services is because it's a free service, it can also create a massive amount of demand. Um because then people can be a lot more likely to actually go in and try to see a doctor. And so that can cause a lot of the shortages we see um, in different areas, like over in the UK, they have some sort of shortages. Um, I think one that I read was um, medical marijuana is a massive shortage that they may be having there. Um, And then because of that, it creates, you know, higher demand for doctors to, um, work on the more crucial diseases and that leaves out a lot of the lesser stuff. So you did mention, you know, government could use some of that extra spending to try to fix it, but that would, you know, mean creating a lot new, a lot more new hospitals, um, having a lot more uh, new nurses and doctors and then, you know, janitors and other workers in those places. And so that would increase the pay a ton there. Um, And then even then it may not help fix the solution or help fix the problem. Um, so one example, this is a more personal example, I guess, but, um, when I used to live in Wales, my dad ended up having a problem with his knee and, um, we had to go to the hospital to get it checked out, but we ended up not being able to even get a diagnosis. They said for four months. So my dad has a massive knee problem. Um, he ended up needing surgery, um, and he had to wait four months. So he was kind of immobilized during some of that time. And my parents ended up going to get to see a private doctor, which, you know, we got the diagnosis for that. And then when we came back to America, we, we didn't end up going, staying in England for much longer or Wales for much longer. So um, in this, we kind of got the diagnosis and then waited a bit. And even then, after that, we still had to wait quite a few months for his surgery. And so when we ended up going back to America, within the first week, my dad had gotten his surgery um, and paid for it and that sort of thing. So that in America, you can access a lot of these a lot quicker. You can get the care you need um, really soon, whereas over in Wales and England, you know, my dad couldn't access some of that. And then many of my dad's coworkers and friends said, you know, it is really nice to not have to pay, but there is a problem with quality and wait times. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that can be done to negate that is having private companies still stick around, but in a diminished sense, so they could cover things like, like extra costs so that they can improve wait times. I mean, that is, that is one of the things that England does have though. That's why my parents were able to get that. But the problem is it is so expensive to go to those private doctors that, you know, poor people can't usually afford to go there. And so, you know, if a poor person, you know, gets into a situation that they really need to get something fixed, but then they can't afford, you know, to wait four or five months. And then they also can't maybe afford to pay, 
one of those doctors, um, you know, there's nothing that they can do then. So that's why, even though Americans still be super expensive, it's, it can be seen as better just because they can access that real, real quickly and then pay for it later or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely a concern, but I just say that overall, I think the benefits probably outweigh the negatives and just looking at like, so one, one thing is that Americans are very reluctant to go to the doctor and yeah. for that reason, like people that have more money end up living longer than people with less money because they can afford to like do more check-ins with yeah. a physician. I mean, that usually or, happens anyways no matter where you are, but, but I mean, if it's free, then like someone with less, then, then there's less concerns about, you know, going into debt or whatever. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, no, that makes sense. Yeah. And another thing is that 56% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And so many people can't afford to have a sudden injury or an illness. Yeah. Because they don't have savings stored away. So it's not just affecting like uh, poorer people. It's affecting a good chunk of the population, I'd say. I think it would also be unfair to put more stress on families that have to think of caring for a suffering and potentially maybe even dying family member while yeah. simultaneously having to stress over some insane medical bills. So yeah, I know you already responded to that saying that like maybe it's not someone's responsibility to care for someone else's health care. I mean, for, for like on a family level, it, you know, it makes sense to do something like that, but yeah. Um, for someone else who doesn't know that may not, may not, I, I don't think it's necessarily their obligation. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another thing I want to address is there's been this kind of mentality that universal health care is socialism. And mm-hmm. I think that might be a little unfair because pretty much like every other developed country has it and they're not socialists. They're doing pretty good for themselves. And yeah, it seems that since the cold war there in America, there's just been this heavy anti like communism mentality and that it's like the root of all evil. And that kind of mm-hmm. spills over to socialism a bit seems like, and I would say that social services like universal health care, don't equate to socialism. Like they have nothing to do with the government owning the means of production or creating an equal Mm -hmm. distribution of income or anything like that. Yeah. And like the police, armed forces, firefighters, like all of these things are controlled by the government and they're never called socialist. They're just viewed as an essential part to defend people's lives. So I'd say, why should healthcare be different? Yeah, I think that does make, you know, some sense about concerns with how socialism, you know, could affect, you know, our government or how it could affect the country as a whole. But I don't really think it's as massive as a concern as some people may think. Um, there is there is problems with that, though. And then there are, you know, many of the you said many of the countries that have universal health care may not be socialist, um, but some have a lot of socialist aspects in them not like full on socialism or whatever, but it has a lot of that sort of aspects. And that's something a lot of um, people in America may not be comfortable with too. So 
Um, just interesting points right there. Yeah, I'd just say that one having one quality of maybe what you consider socialism doesn't equate to the whole system being socialist. Yeah. Like I don't I, I don't think any of the countries in Europe are even socialist. Like even the Nordic mm-hmm. countries that people think of socialists are actually a hybrid and they're yeah actually quite capitalist in some ways as well. Yeah. Um I mean many many people still don't feel comfortable with that though. So it's it's kind of an interesting situation with it's adapting to how different people feel and how they may um you know want this to work. So yeah, I mean I just think that it's a bit unfair to yeah. like just disqualify something just because it's labeled as socialist, even though that's not necessarily like true. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, all right. Do, do we have anything else? Any other good talking points going right now? No, I think we pretty much covered all. I of think it. we covered. Yeah, I think we covered most of it. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot more depth to these things and we don't have forever to research. And I'm sure that you guys could find out a lot more by yourself as well. So make yeah. sure to like do your own research. And it is kind of interesting because in these, um, there are, this situation is, has a lot more compromises on both sides than, you know, many other situations that we may have discussed. Um, this one's kind of a lot of a more gray area and a lot of people end up being towards the middle. Thank you for listening to another episode of That's Debatable. Also, make sure to check out That's Debatable on Spotify as well. And uh, stay tuned on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge for more music and conversation that spans generations. Peace out.